This is People Every Day. Coming up, Hunter Biden gets candid about drug addiction, loss, and finding a way forward. Plus, Congressman Matt Gates under investigation, and Real Housewives star Dr. Tiffany Moon talks drama on screen and off. It's April 6th. Hi, folks. This is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, here to walk you through the news this year, Tuesday. Going to start off with a big congrats to Baylor University's men's basketball team for their NCAA championship win. Also, congrats to those who had Baylor winning it all on their brackets. <laughs> Later in the show today, my colleague, Michelle Coriston, catches up with Dr. Tiffany Moon, who stars on Real Housewives of Dallas, who discusses being bullied by some castmates during the last season of the show, her thoughts on the uptick and anti-Asian hate crimes and what it's been like for her as a doctor during COVID. So stick around for that. But first, let's get into top stories and we're going to run the gamut today. Let me tell you, People Politics Editor Adam Carlson is here to get into it. Hi, Adam. Hi, Janine. Let's get right to it. We have quite a while list today. Yeah, right. Okay, so first things first, big news out of the first family today. Uh, President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, has a new memoir titled Beautiful Things that was just released. And in it, he is talking about a lot of really difficult things, actually, from, you know, the trauma of, of losing his mother and, and sister and his addictions and all of that. So I guess what was news to you? What was new to you? Because we've heard that there's been so much going on in his life for years now. But what really surprised you out of this book? I mean, so much. This is really the world through Hunter's eyes. And he opens the book by acknowledging that he's tasted the heights of success and scraped the bottom of ruin. And over the next 250 pages, he really takes you through it. And he really doesn't shy away from a lot at all. At all. So I was listening to his CBS interview, and he really goes there when it comes to addiction and just how bad it got. So let's listen to a, a clip really quickly of what he had to say about both his alcohol and his drug addiction. I went one time for 13 days without sleeping and smoking crack and drinking vodka exclusively throughout that entire time. And so, so Hunter Biden really came into clear focus during the last election, right, Adam? Mm -hmm. And and what is he, I guess, explaining to us about what that time did to him? Because it was on the heels of some other personal painful stuff. It's really extraordinary the extent to which the world didn't know that while his father was preparing to run for president in 2019 and 2020, as Hunter became essentially the most targeted member of the Biden circle during this campaign, he was in the deepest throes of his addiction. He was drinking something like a liter of vodka a day. At one point, he describes living with a homeless woman who was dealing him crack cocaine. He, uh, he quips kind of mordantly that uh, he smoked more Parmesan than most people, scrounging around through carpets for crack cocaine. And as he acknowledges in that interview, this was all happening parallel to his father's political work. Wow. And and if we go back, uh, he talks about where this stems from. So let's listen to what he has to say about trauma and what he has been through in his life. It's the feeling of never fitting in. It's that hole. And you don't know what it is exactly. Where do you think that feeling came from? I am uh, more convinced now that trauma is at the center of it. Which trauma? The loss of your mother? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. 
So Adam, what did he, what did he say about that? We know that has been just such a cloud mm-hmm. um, in their lives for so long. You know, even during his father's um, runs and and all of his different service and in, in office, that has always been there. So how did Hunter talk about it? The Biden family has been shaped by these twin tragedies since the 70s. Hunter, as he acknowledges, he was three years old in the car with his mom when his mom and baby sister were killed in this Christmas time crash back in 1972. And the shadow of that grief stretched all the way to 2015 when his big brother, Bo, who he describes as his best friend, his soulmate in this memoir, really the memoir reflects on this deep and lasting bond sprouting from that tragedy. Bo Biden, his protector and confidant, dies in middle age of brain cancer in 2015. And one tragedy kind of passes into another. And from Bo's 2015 death, Hunter really begins to spiral into the worst of his addiction. And yes, Bo's death in 2015 just set off this chain of events for him, um, threw him back into that addiction, as you say, but also threw him into controversy in another way. Uh, His relationship that sparked up with Bo's widow in the wake of that. I think people were confused by it. And I understand that. I mean, I really do. To me, it's not something that is difficult to explain because it came out of a, a real overwhelming grief that we both shared. Wow. Do you, you remember when that story broke, Absolutely. right, Adam? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's one of the most personal and one of the messiest and one of the most humane parts of the book, the bond that he forged with Haley Biden after Bo's death, the idea, as he alluded to there, that they could not just be bonded in grief, but somehow love Bo back to life together. And as he said, the world they tried to conjure in private, he describes, um, you know, them renting homes, trying to stay out of the limelight to try and see what this relationship would look like after his relationship with his ex-wife Kathleen fell apart, what that bond what kind of bond might sprout between them. And yeah, it didn't yeah. work. Uh, and he went on from that and, of course, was thrown into everything that was going on with the election. Um, and we're still hearing that there's ongoing investigations into into Hunter, right? And, and to mm-hmm. his work with Ukraine. So the Ukraine thing is is has been uh, long been used as ammunition uh, in conservative circles. It, it's not connected, as far as we know at all, to the ongoing federal investigation. He He's in a probe right now for uh, tax affairs. The federal government, as is their want, has released very few details of the ongoing investigation. He said he'll be exonerated. He says he's cooperating entirely. Um, we don't know very much about that at all. The the Ukraine um, saga... Ukraine is separate, is, and there's there was no official there there right, that, that we know of, yeah, right? No okay. evidence of wrongdoing, no crimes, no charges. He, you know, said he might have shown bad ethical judgment um, in working for a Ukraine company while his dad was vice president. But there's never been any evidence, any any allegation at all, actually, that he he acted improperly. And uh, he has found love again. So he, he I mean, just from the looks of the interviews, he seems to be in a better place personally. Um, he's married to South African filmmaker Melissa Cohen. They have a kid now. Like the, life just went super fast for them, right? Absolutely. And you see in the book that there was a, an even more serious backdrop to that. He writes in 2019, right before they met, how he fled to LA after his family tried to stage an intervention. And he thought he would just dis- disappear. He gave up all pretense of ever recovering. He fled to the West Coast and he 
met Melissa Cohen kind of by chance. Uh, they immediately sparked a connection. He describes her as the love of his life and someone who's really been a bridge for him toward recovery. Um, they got married almost immediately, a whirlwind romance. And uh, their child is named Beau. Wow. Honestly, you just never get a memoir or insight like this so soon into a sitting president's term that really exposes all of the inner workings of a first family, but specifically in this case, what Hunter himself has been through. So great read. And I love the title too, uh, you know, The Beautiful Things, uh, which he says is a nod to something his brother Bo always said to help them remember the good things in life. Uh, But Adam, let's shift over to another political story that I'm sure you know all about, Republican Congressman Matt Gates. He is in the midst of some major drama, right? Uh, I mean, the saga of Matt Gates. I almost feel like I want a PowerPoint presentation, right? So I can take people through this slide by slide. But Matt Gates is um, a congressman from Florida. He's been in office since 2017. And news recently broke that he is being investigated by the federal government on uh, suspicion that he might have committed sex trafficking. He hasn't been charged. He denies wrongdoing. Investigators, of course, won't comment uh, while the probe is ongoing. But there's a belief that he might have enticed a 17-year-old girl to have have sex with him, might have traveled with her or paid her for sex, which would violate federal law, right? He denies it outright, says this never happened. Parallel to that, there are two other things kind of developing. One is Matt Gates is a provocateur, to, to put it mildly. He's someone who doesn't have a ton of friends in Congress on either party, something he says he's quite proud of. He's never passed a piece of, of legislation with his name on it. Um, instead, he often makes headlines with cable news appearances. Even when he gave the statement, though, he went on Fox News and spoke with Tucker Carlson to defend himself. And and Tucker even said, well, that was the weirdest interview I ever did. <laughs> There were there were moments where uh, Matt Gates, who I've spoken with uh, before, you know, Matt Gates is um, someone who's very confident in how he thinks he can assess the situation, and you could kind of see that confidence or arrogance come through. You know, during the interview, he seemed to, to try and implicate Tucker in some of his past behavior, saying he had gone to dinner with Tucker and his wife and this unnamed woman years ago. Tucker was like, I have no idea what we're talking about. He also said, um, you know, Tucker, you and I are the same. We've both been accused of wild sex crimes. And, and Tucker blanched and said, "What I have? you're describing something, in Tucker's words, something a mentally ill person said about me years ago. Uh, we're not trying to get your side of the story in a federal investigation. And there's one last weird layer to this, which is that he says... All of this sprouts out of an extortion plot, says the FBI is investigating at the behest of him and his family because he was extorted when, uh, or tried to be extorted. People approached him and his father, who's a Florida political figure, and said, give us money, help us try and find a missing former FBI agent who the U.S. government believes is actually dead, and we will make oh some legal gosh. troubles go away, right? So even as I'm describing it, it you're, you're, you're like the, the, the tax and the string, you want to like pin it up on the board, right, to keep it all together. Look, the last thing I heard about Matt Gates <laughs> was that he was asking for Britney Spears to be let out of her conservatorship. Like, <laughs> yes, right. He so, has had his hand in a little bit of everything. I mean, he really just can't resist a headline for good or for Oh bad. my goodness. Adam, thank you so much for going through it all with me. Happy to do it, Janine. Always a pleasure. Next up, my colleague Michelle Coriston gets into it all with Real Housewives of Dallas star Dr. Tiffany Moon.
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, we've got a special treat for all of you Housewives fans out there. People Platforms director and Real Housewives aficionado, Michelle Coriston, caught up with one of the newest, most buzzed about members of the franchise, Dr. Tiffany Moon, who joined season five of Dallas. For those of you who don't know, she's an anesthesiologist who immigrated to the U.S. from China when she was six, graduated from Cornell at 19, and then finished med school about four years after that. She's married to big-time hotelier Daniel Moon, and she has twin girls along with two stepkids. And she just finished her first season of the show and already has a crazy amount of fans and, well, drama. <laughs> Take a listen to Michelle's interview with the newly minted reality star. This season, a common theme that has really struck me as a viewer is mothers and daughters. And I think <laughs> you're a big part of that. Of course, we have your two friends, Deandra and Mama D. What have you learned about yourself as a daughter and as a mom through this process and these friendships? Oh my gosh. I would say the mother-daughter relationship is one of the most sacred in the world. Um, <laughs> I always call it mama drama. <laughs> and and you're right. It is a very um, pervasive theme that is in this season because I think because of coronavirus, you have to do things at home with your family. And sometimes it makes you examine relationships that you otherwise may not have had the time to reflect on. It was so touching seeing you so nervous to tell your mom that you were cutting back just one day from your very busy schedule as a doctor during a pandemic while also being a mom and having other businesses, a wife, a friend, everything. I hope that was a validating moment for you where you felt like the success that my parents wanted me to be and worked so hard for I am. Um, yeah, I was really surprised. I'm still surprised um, that mom was as supportive as she was because for a, a lot of my childhood and adulthood, it seemed as if nothing I could do would ever be enough for her. And so I just thought that she was going to have something to say when I told her I was cutting back, but actually she was incredibly supportive and remains very supportive to this day. But don't worry, she still berates me over a number of other topics. So it's not like she's pleased all the time. Well, I love seeing her on TV. Um, I know she doesn't watch the show, right? She's not seen anything you've said, your TikTok, nothing. No, mom does not have TikTok. She does, that app does not exist on her phone. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she doesn't have Bravo or if she does, she doesn't know how to access it because she only watches major news channels and then um, like Chinese TV. She has like a Chinese TV satellite. Well, let's talk about your beautiful house. You are giving me everything I want housewives to give me. Like, I need to know how much your toilets cost, okay? I want to see your closet. It, it's wish fulfillment and it's escapism, but 
you, for some reason, have been getting more heat for um, sharing that aspect of your life from some of the other ladies. And does that feel like a double standard? Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll have to, you know, answer that question, or maybe some of the fans can answer that question. But just speaking from my personal experience, I was not trying to show off. Like everyone needed to go pee at the same time. You know, it's like when yeah. you're watching the Super Bowl and like, you know, probably half the town is flushing at the same time. <laughs> um, and and I it followed and I was like, well, don't worry, because this house has nine toilets. So if everybody at this table needed to go pee at the exact same time. Like I'd have you covered. And it was, it was something like that, but I got, you know, lambasted for bragging about my toilets. And I was like, that's really not where I was trying to go with that. But if you want to make it about that, like what else can I do? So what I've realized is that sometimes you just can't please everybody, no matter what you do. I'm glad that you feel able to rise above the pettiness, but on your behalf, I have been getting very angry this season (laughs) because girl, you are getting hazed. Like how many bodies of water can they push you into? Um, Two, apparently. (laughs) Then Carrie throws you this stunning birthday party, but then throws a snake on you at the end. Like I would (laughs) have punched someone in the face if they put a snake on my shoulders. Yeah. um, I think my expression at that time spoke for itself. I think it's become a meme. Like, um, I saw it as I was scrolling through my feed and somebody put, it was hilarious. Somebody put how I feel on Mondays when I have to go back to work. And it was me with this snake that was like, you know, and I was like, oh, I turned into a meme. I've made it. That's the bright side of that trauma. That is true. <laughs> but but really, I mean, I just feel like you've been having to jump through hoops and you were very vulnerable in saying like, this is new to me, but it still felt like nothing you could do as a viewer was good enough. When you set your boundaries, people got mad. When you removed yourself from a situation, people got mad. I think it's probably something more women can relate to as men. But sometimes you just feel like no matter what you do, it's not right. right. And what I have learned from this is that it's not about you. It's about them. But Deandra seems like she's been a really great friend to you and support system. I heard her saying that some of the women have even been icing her out lately for how much she supported you. How does it feel to at least have her really have your back? I mean, she's the only one that I feel like really had my back the entire time, which I think yeah. you can see. Yep. Um, it feels good to at least have someone in my corner or else I really would feel like I was on an island, which is sort of how I was feeling on my first cast trip when I left early um, and then was later berated about it. It feels nice to at least have one ally in my corner. Yeah. And I assume that that's something that will be brought up at the reunion. Have you guys taped the reunion yet or not? Not quite yet. Not yet. Are you nervous for that? I mean, I'm nervous just because I haven't ever done it before. (laughs) Sounds like it can be a long day. (laughs) Yeah. I'm nervous to meet Andy. Oh my God. You haven't met him. And I've never met Andy. I did a watch what happens with Andy like this, you know, the computer. I was like, hi, Andy. (laughs) But you know, I've never been in the same, I've never breathed the same air as Andy. Um, I have not seen the majority of my castmates or spoken to the majority of them since 
we wrapped filming. Yeah. Let's talk about Brandy super quickly. Obviously, she started a controversy between seasons when an, a video of her speaking in a very racist Asian accent in front of her daughters reposted on social media. She apologized. She she ended up seeking mental health treatments. She said she's working on herself. You sort of had to talk to her about that. And that was your first kind of interaction with her, at least that we saw. And I thought that you showed a lot of grace, a lot of compassion. And then you seem to really open your heart to her and want a friendship. But it keeps coming up where she is saying, I feel awkward around Tiffany. And that I think has been tough for viewers to watch, especially in light of what's happening currently. Like what, what was that like? That just seems a little bit exhausting because how many times can you say, I forgive you? I want to be your friend. Yeah. Um, exhausting is a very good word um, because that's how I felt. I, I felt that I had approached the situation with kindness and grace from the very beginning um, and that I never said anything. I was like, did I say something that I was uncomfortable around you or like, what do you mean? Tell me what I did so that I can explain it or something. She's like, no, 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 no. I just feel awkward around you. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's you then like, what are you saying exactly? It's because I'm Asian, right? Like just go ahead and say it because I haven't done anything. So at that moment, it kind of broke my heart. Um, I was totally blindsided by it, which I think you can see on the episode. And then I just left. It broke my heart hearing that you had experienced racism, even in the hospital, trying to help people during coronavirus, people saying, I don't want an Asian doctor. And then you've been so vocal about what's happening with the AAPI community, the tragedies that we're seeing, especially in Atlanta. What do you say to people, young Asian girls, anyone that's watching you on the show and and is just kind of suffering right now, even if not physically, mentally? What, what do you say to people to help them find the other side of it? And what can everyone else, allies and Asian Americans do? I would say um, that many people are suffering mentally. The levels of depression and anxiety um, that we have in our country right now are through the roof. Um, and I would just say to everyone out there um, who wants to be our ally, please educate yourselves on the topic. Um, if you have a platform and want to use your voice to bring more awareness to the topic, please do. Because the more people who know about something and understand and become educated on it, the more we as a society can move the needle forward. That was Michelle Corriston interviewing Real Housewife star Dr. Tiffany Moon. For more on her, head over to People.com. And now, something to make you smile. Those who attended the New York City protest against anti-Asian hate crimes this past Sunday didn't know it at the time, but they were in the presence of music royalty. Rihanna, yes, Riri, turned out to show her support, but was undetectable by fans thanks to her black mask and baseball cap. Still, she marched and chanted along and even gave out her Instagram handle to one fellow protester who was in sheer disbelief. Just listen. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's you? Her assistant, Tina Truong, took to social media with the videos saying, this is what solidarity looks like. I couldn't agree more. That's all for today. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow. 